With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And thanks for tuning in to our weekly broadcast of the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and I'm really glad to know you're here today. This past week was filled with gut-wrenching stories associated with the hurricane in Oklahoma. I have a couple of dear friends who live there, and though they're all okay, a number of their friends lost their homes. I've also kept tabs of the many stories relating to animals, horses, dogs, cats, birds, and some of the happy outcomes where pets and their people were reunited after being separated. Still, there are many animal refugees right now, and the organizations that are caring for them need help desperately. At the end of today's program, I will be providing information about this, so please grab a pen and paper so that you can jot it all down and hopefully help if you're able. Now, let's talk about the show lineup today. Jeanette Holliday from the Company of Animals will be checking in shortly to talk about Lyme disease and what you can do to keep your pets and yourself protected. Then, after our halftime break, Jacqueline York from Doodle Rescue Collective will be sharing what her organization is all about. This and more straight ahead, so keep your radio tuned to the Pet Place on K-Mozart, and we'll begin after a short message from the station. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is Jeanette Holliday from the Company of Animals. Good morning, Jeanette, and welcome to the Pet Place. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, really a pleasure. Well, I really enjoy talking to all of you guys over at the Company of Animals. You have some great information, and one of the things I wanted to talk about this morning is flea and tick season and what that means in terms of some potential problems. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. It it means quite a lot, um, much more than I think most um, pet owners realize. Um, Spring is the official start of the flea and tick season, and this year alone um, the tick population is much higher than it was last year. Um, we were seeing ticks on animals as early as, um, you know, the first week of an April. So it's really kind of um, important that you really follow through with sort of your flea and tick regimen, so to speak, for the year. Um, they're much more than a nuisance, um, as everyone really thinks. They can really present serious health conditions. Um, they're the number one carrier of Lyme disease. And Lyme disease is, is super painful for not just humans. Um, a lot of people have had it, um, but it's actually very crippling to uh, an animal if they get it. Um, it's, it causes joint swelling, fever, heart or nervous system complications, problems with your kidneys, and sometimes, depending on how um, 
how bad the bite is or how long it's gone without treatment. It can even cause death. How easy is Lyme disease to diagnose? Um, one of the... Um, it, it's not a, a hard thing to diagnose. Um, one of the biggest things is that just, you know, just like you would with your kids, just do quick little, you know, flea and tick uh, checks with your animals when they come inside. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that ticks and Lyme disease um, carrier ticks are reserved for pets who are frequently around wooded areas. But any dog or cat spending any time outdoors, even in a city, needs to be protected. Um, I know my own dog, we were we were walking in a um, city-type situation, and she came home with three ticks on her. Oh, no. So, you know, it's not limited to those of us just living out in the woods. It's, it's really anywhere. Um, so to diagnose it, really, um, you know, like I said, just be really careful with um, checking your animal for anything different. Um, and if you notice something, you know, if you notice the tick, I would take it off right away. If it has been, um, I would definitely, you know, make sure that you keep an eye on it. If within 24 hours or so the skin around the bite starts to become red or swollen, then I would immediately take them to the vet. I believe it's just a simple blood test that they do mm-hmm. with the animals to determine whether or not the virus is present in their bodies. Would you recommend taking a pet to the vet anyway if you find that it has ticks? Um, it depends on uh, you personally. I know I have, I do, and I did. Um, I was lucky enough where um, I, after finding a tick on my dog, we had a, a vet appointment, I think, the next day, and I showed him the spot, you know, where she had gotten bit and everything, and he just took a quick look, but he wasn't concerned at all. Um, and I had actually saved the tick, like, in a piece of tape. Um, so it's kind of up to you and how accessible your vet is, Um I would say, you know, it, most of the time it's probably fine, especially if you get the tick off before it's been bit, before it bites your animal. But, I mean, if it does bite a dog I, or your cat, I would, you know, just kind of for peace of mind, I know I would take my animal to the vet within 24 hours or so just to be on the safe side. I think I would, too. Yeah. You know, a lot of products are out there that keep fleas and ticks yep. uh, at a minimum, but it seems like, if a tick jumps up onto your pet, it's still going to be able to bite your pet even exactly. if you've used the products. Exactly. Are there any products out there that just keep ticks off or repellent? There, There is really no foolproof um, product. There's no magical, uh, you know, shield that you can put on your animal to... Um, prevent anything like that jumping on them or whatnot. I mean, animals are very curious, especially young puppies like I have, and so she's constantly getting into things and whatnot. So as much as, um, you know, I stay on top of, you know, giving her the skin treatments and things like that, um, one of the biggest things that you can really do to just help your pet is just, you know, check them when they come in. I know every time we are done with a walk, you know, she gets a little quick little check. She thinks it's more of like a massage, I think, than mm-hmm. a check. But um, so um, one of the products, though, that I know I personally use, and and not just because um, the company of animals has created it, because it's just so quick and handy, um, is the tick and flea comb. It's um, for both dogs and cats. Um, It's fantastic. It's a small little um, comb. It's... um, 
it's a dual use too. One side has a fine tooth comb to help remove any like flea residue and eggs that might be, um, you know, latched in their hair or, or skin or things like that. And the other side features a little slit specifically engineered to help capture the complete tick if it's like bitten into the dog's um, or cat's skin or anything like that. Um, the best part about the comb though is there's a small hole in the corner so you can easily attach it to your keys so you can have it at any time. So I know, like, I have one on my keychain, and, and I use it all the time. You know, when she gets back in the car or something, we just do a little quick little comb down, and, you know, we're good to go. One of the things that I recommend, too, is that when you're running the flea comb through your pets and you, you do pull out some fleas, I usually have a little bowl of mm-hmm. rubbing alcohol right next to me as I'm yeah. I'm grooming my pet, and I frequently... Uh, clean the comb in the alcohol because the alcohol will instantly kill the fleas. And exactly. Otherwise, if you try and clean your comb while you're getting them out and the flea jumps off as they will, uh, you basically haven't done anything about the problem and it's just going to jump back right on you exactly. or your pet. So Exactly. And the, alcohol, the rubbing alcohol is completely non-toxic to your pet. It dries so quickly, too, and it's something you know that we all have around in our house. But, yep, we do that. We do the exact same thing, too. And what are some other problems associated with fleas? I know that fleas are contributors to dogs and cats getting intestinal parasites. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, fleas can be a huge problem, um, like you said, for parasites and things like that, which can just lead to absolute um, you know, abdominal discomfort and um, you know, breaking of, of elimination um, habits and things like that that they've already gotten, you know, so if, if your dog's completely housebroken, if they get certain parasites, they don't really have control over themselves as much as they normally would. Um, and also, too, fleas are just, they're beyond a nuisance. If, if your animal gets them, they can really just infest your entire home. And if you have small children, they love to fest like in their beds and sheets and things like that along with carpets and whatnot and then if your your kids can um, you know get bites and you yourself can get bites and whatnot and those can lead to you know severe skin rashes and reactions and sometimes even you know um, har- uh, harboring pa- parasites within you know you your you know the human itself so um the fleas are a little bit easier to combat. I personally think if you keep up on the skin regimens and things like that. Um, but, you know, you never know. You never know what dogs get into. Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the comb. You can't really use the comb to remove a tick. What do you think is the best way to remove a tick? Well, on the Company of Animals Tick and Flea Comb, you actually can. On one side of it, there's a little slit that um, was specifically engineered to, to, to capture the little tick. So it actually has like a little, it looks almost like a starburst in the notch. And actually what it does is it fits right around the tick's um, head in the body part and helps just pick it right out almost like a tweezer. Oh, excellent. Um, okay, so yeah. you don't run the risk of actually leaving the head then embedded in the skin. Nope, because of the little starburst um, design in the notch, it's designed to kind of, what it does is it really like clamps on there nice and tight. And when you're pulling it out, it pulls the entire tick out. So I've never seen, so it it doesn't, like, dismember the tick in any way. You don't have to worry about leaving the head in, that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, if you're using tweezers a lot of time, you're in there and and you're focusing so hard. A lot of the times people just end up, like, 
clipping off the body or something and the head still remains inside, which can be, you know, just as dangerous as having the body attached as well. Absolutely. And one of the places that you have to look when you bring your dog back in after walking through a grassy area or anywhere where you're likely to get ticks, they like to go into warm spots Mm -hmm. on a dog, warm and almost moist spots too. Mm -hmm. So you check their armpits, you check under their ears, uh, you check uh, right where their back legs fit into the sockets of their hips, and and underneath their tail also is a big spot for ticks. So aren't necessarily the places that you would enjoy checking (laughs) out, but but you absolutely do have to check those places out. For the few minutes of discomfort, it's it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that you guys had a special event where you were joining the fight against Lyme disease for pets and people. And and you, uh, last Wednesday, participated in a special fundraiser for Lyme Disease Awareness Month. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we did, and we were so excited to be a part of it. Um, I I personally have... um, family members who are affected with Lyme disease, so it's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a personal thing for me as well, but um, it's, um, May is Lyme Disease Awareness Month, so we did a fundraiser this past Wednesday. Um, it was coordinated by LymeDisease.org and um, Stray from the Heart. There were two really fantastic um, organizations. LymeDisease.org is, um, you know, based on trying to find cures and things like that for Lyme disease, and Stray from the Heart is a phenomenal New York City animal rescue. Um, I think there were just about 300 guests that attended along with some pets. Um, The event was, of course, dog-friendly, so everyone was encouraged to bring their, um, their friends along. Um, and it was really just a, a fantastic community event. It was focused on educating the public about how to prevent Lyme disease. And also there were um, some fundraisers for the two nonprofit organizations as well. Um, so it was really just kind of about getting the word out and making sure that people understand how important these things are. And we're not just talking about them to hear ourselves talk. You know, there's a real reason behind them. Absolutely. This is all great information. And before I let you go, yeah. where can our listeners read more? about this? Sure thing. Well, um, we've actually um, got a nice little um, video and um, uh, write-up on our website, which is www.companyofanimals.com, or sorry, .us, and um, there was actually just a small write-up in uh, Cat Fancy. Um, for the month of June in their June issue. Excellent. Well, this is wonderful information again, and thanks so much for sharing it with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate um, you letting us get on here and talk about what's important. Definitely. We need to take a speedy little break now, but when we return, Jacqueline York from the Doodle Rescue Collective will be all set to talk about what the great work is that her rescue does. So stay right where you are because we'll be right back with more of The Pet Place here on K-Mozart. Welcome back to The Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to welcome Jacqueline York, the President and Executive Director of Doodle Rescue Collective, to the program. Good morning, Jacqueline. Good morning, Marie. How are you today? I'm doing very well, and I'm real excited to talk with you today. I'm very uh, excited to be here. I would like you to tell me a little bit about the history of Doodle Rescue Collective and what it is that you guys do. 
We are a national, well, I should say really we're um, all over North America because we also do rescue in Canada. Um, we rescue and place Labradoodles and Golden Doodles all over North America. Now, Labradoodles and Golden Doodles have become a very popular dog over the last few years. I'd say 10 years ago, if you said that name, most people would look at you and go, what are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. So, first of all, what is a Labradoodle and a Golden Doodle for our listeners who may not know? A Labradoodle is a mix of a Labrador Retriever and Poodle, and a Golden Doodle is a Golden Retriever and Poodle mix. And what was uh, the reason for creating a mixed-breed dog? That seems so bizarre to me, to create a mixed-breed dog. Uh, the Labradoodle was originally bred in Australia as a uh, service dog. I think Wally Conran, the man who originally tried to breed them for, um, I guess, guide dogs of uh, Victoria, was trying to come up with a allergy-friendly, non-shedding service animal uh, for people, you know, the blind, who were... Um, having allergy issues with, with labs and uh, and German shepherds, which are typically used for service. And he started breeding poodles and labs together and uh, came up with the name Labradoodle. And um, actually the, the program itself, the breeding program that he started, was um, sadly not so successful because, as you know, you, you get many different mixes when you're putting a poodle and a lab together. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of them were sh- ended up being shedders and having, you know, some temperament issues. So he kind of stopped the program, and then um, a woman named Beverly Manners and her daughter, Angela Wetzel Cunningham, uh, decided to kind of pick up the ball and run with it and started breeding what they were calling Australian Labradoodles. Um, And they were pumping them out like crazy and (laughs) sending them all over the world. (laughs) And, And it really took off. I mean, I started seeing TV shows about these animals and magazine write ups and the whole nine yards. And before you knew it, there were breeders all over the place who were taking advantage of the quick buck and the popularity of these dogs. Well, you know, and a lot of that is is basically the fault of Beverly Manners. Um, She mass marketed these animals all over the place. Um, And I guess maybe like 12, 15 years ago, my mother and I started looking into actually buying a Labradoodle puppy, and there were no breeders in the United States at that time, Mm -hmm. and you had to only call Beverly Manors, Tegan Park, or or, um, Rutland Manor were the two breeding facilities that were doing the dogs. And they were, at that time, <clears throat> asking $5,000 a puppy, and they were saying another $3,000 to ship the dog from Australia. And they were so willing to put the dog in a crate and ship it here, you know, 26 hours in a plane wow. from Australia. And uh, people started buying them from Australia and having them shipped here. And then the breeders kind of jumped on it in the United States and started breeding them the Australian Labradoodles. Um, and I think people just kind of got the idea that they could take any lab, any poodle, breed it together and and come up with a Labradoodle and sell it for thousands. Wow. And a lot of these dogs are coming from puppy mills nowadays. Oh, yeah. The puppy mills probably were the the first people to jump on on the whole bandwagon. Um, 
because there was just doodle fever all of a sudden everybody said well here's a cute non-shedding oh hypoallergenic dog uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is really funny because there is really no such thing as a hypoallergenic dog that is absolutely true that's and it's unfortunate because there are so many of these dogs now that there's actually a need for rescue and that's what you guys are doing now picking up uh, the slack and and it's it's heartbreaking to know that there's so many that they have to have rescue. I know a lot of people say that it's it's something um a question that we're asked all the time. I can't believe that there's a need for this. Why why is there a need for for doodle rescue? Um everybody wants these dogs and we come back and say, you know, that's exactly the reason why there's a need for rescue because everybody wants these dogs and they're breeding them like crazy and not everybody should have them. And unfortunately, a lot of people will get a dog, and they'll not realize the time and effort and work that goes into having a dog. And next thing you know, when the dog's about a year old and has had virtually no training and misbehaves because of that no training, they're showing up in shelters and rescues and well, I, labeled as bad dogs. Yeah, I think that that's just across the board with companion animals mm-hmm. in general and um, but with the doodles specifically, uh, I think more so. I think you'll see more first-time dog owners and, and people with children who have never had dogs running out and buying doodle puppies than probably any other breed or breed mix of dog because of this crazy marketing campaign and because the breeders perpetuate these myths. Oh, my puppies are hypoallergenic. No such thing. Mm-hmm. My puppies don't shed. They're only going to be 40 pounds. I mean, and and it's a crazy thing with the doodles because you're you're not starting from a very good place to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was uh, breeding Champion Labs in the '70s. She had uh, she took excellent care of her puppies, excellent care of her breeding dogs. Um, knew where every single one of her dogs and her puppies were were going. She was exceptional, and she had said to me when we first started hearing about the Labradoodles, she had said, "I can't imagine." any reputable poodle or lab breeder taking their health-tested, OFA-certified, champion-finished dogs and letting them be used for a doodle breeding program. Yeah, it's just crazy. I just don't understand anybody who would intentionally breed mixed-breed dogs when there are so many beautiful mixed-breed dogs in shelters that need homes. And I would so say... So many beautiful purebred dogs in oh, shelters. that's true, too. But I would say to anybody who's looking for a dog, just go to an animal shelter, and you're going to find one that tugs at your heartstrings. And it might not be a purebred. It might not be one of these so-called designer dogs, but it's definitely going to be a sweet little angel that needs you and will love you for the rest of your life. Yeah, and a rescue dog knows that you've saved them. They really do. <laughs> that's, that's so true. And everybody who's adopted a rescue dog that I know, and myself included, has had that same experience. A dog that comes from a shelter or a rescue just seems to really know it and appreciate its second chance. Absolutely. That is the truth. And they're just they're great little buddies. So, you know, don't support all these breeders, especially when you consider that most of these breeders really – are nothing more than puppy mill breeders. I would say, the, you know, with the doodle breeders, you know, there's a, a handful, a handful of great breeders. 
they, that generally, you know, and genuinely love the, the mix and want to improve the breed, so to speak, mm-hmm. and do it as a hobby to improve the breed. Um, but the, there's so many more that just breed them to make money. And Absolutely. That's the bottom line. And they keep them in horrible conditions, and they don't care at all about genetic problems or health problems, and they're happy to just sell them to willing buyers. And there are plenty of willing buyers, unfortunately. Anyone, yeah. And I know that you know this firsthand because you have a rescued Labradoodle. I do, I do. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody wanted to adopt a Labradoodle, and there are plenty that are available for adoption, how can they contact your organization to look at some of the doodles that you have available? Uh, We are at, and I just want to make sure that everybody has the right um, URL, uh, because we had a terrible thing happen a couple of years ago where... um, one of the members of our organization actually went in and stole our original website and went into our accounts and stole our original URL. So Uh-oh. if you actually, yeah, it's it's been a, a nightmare for us. So if you actually go and go, even Google Doodle Rescue Collective, you're going to get oodles of doodles, and you need to stay away from them. <laughs> okay. Well, There's, we have about thirty seconds, so let's get okay. your correct website. Okay, it's uh, doodlerescue.org. DoodleRescue.org, and you have all the photos and everything else everybody would need to know about adoption. Right now we have about 27 dogs available across the United States and the uh, lower part of Canada, yes. Excellent. Well, Labradoodles are indeed near and dear to my heart, so I'm very glad you were able to stop by the pet place today and tell us about your very special rescue. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place news and events here on K Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place radio show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place news and events. As I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm going to share the names of several Oklahoma rescue organizations that are currently caring for animals that have been separated from their owners due to the massive tornadoes that recently plowed through the suburbs near Oklahoma City. The first is Now or Never Horse Helpers. You can find them on Facebook by searching for them by name. They are housing numerous horses whose owners are unknown or are currently homeless and also treating the horses for injuries. As you can probably imagine, it is extremely costly. Again, look them up on Facebook under the name Now or Never Horse Helpers. The McLean County Animal Response Team is leading the rescue effort and housing of homeless and refugee companion animals, and of course, they can use a ton of help also. They have birds, dogs, cats, and other small animals. Again, if you can send a monetary donation, that would be the fastest and easiest way to help them out. They can be found on Facebook under the name McLean County Animal Response Team. The city of Moore's Animal Shelter is obviously in great need as well. Their address is posted on their website at www.cityofmoore.com slash pets. If you can help in any way, these organizations and the animals they are caring for would be so appreciative. So I thank you in advance for your consideration. And on that note, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too, especially our furry friends who are tornado survivors. 
We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.